A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Talk radio across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. We are, of course, the home of common sense, the place where the truth is heard, the place where the truth can be heard, and the place where the truth is not in any way, shape or form uh, changed, moulded or made to fit the narrative. Because today the narrative, ladies and gentlemen, is rather different to the one that we expected, right? Because the circle is supposedly now complete. The Joint Council for Vaccination and Immunisation said it best. On balance, we cannot recommend that children between the ages of 12 and 15 should be vaccinated against covid because the risks outweigh the benefits, while the risk of getting seriously ill from COVID amongst those age groups is ridiculously small. With that in mind, the government decided to seek new advice. Well, of course they did, because they normally say, follow the science. The science of the JCCVI, though, was don't vaccinate our children, right? However, Chief Medical Officer Professor Chris Whitty, who has no children of his own, has taken it upon himself to tell parents to get their children vaccinated. It is a campaign I have fought long and hard against. It is, quite frankly, the most dangerous thing this government has done in the past 18 months of coronavirus policy. Because I'll tell you for why. Even the JCVI, even Chris Whitty, even the government advises that we're only going to give children one dose because we're not sure how safe it is. Really? So why are you giving them one then? Why, how about you don't give them any doses at all? The idea is outrageous enough, but it's been muddied even further by suggestions that children could well be capable of making the decision to take the vaccine on their own, overruling, if necessary, their own parents. Unbelievable. We'll be talking to Marcus Fish MP, who is so incensed, he's calling for Witty to resign. Uh, we'll be starting off the show with him, but we want to hear from you as well, because this, I'm afraid, is a step too far. 03444991000. And if you want to know what I'm going to do, I think you've probably known for some time, but I'll make it clear once again. I am not going to allow my children to be vaccinated because I don't believe that they know enough yet about the long-term effects of the vaccination against COVID. And they're not worried about getting sick. They're perfectly healthy. They don't need it. They're not getting it. Stay the hell away from my children. 0344 499 1000. We've got lots of other stuff going on as well. Laura Dodsworth is here. She's going to be telling us about her views on it all. But for right now, you're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on the fastest growing radio station on the planet. It is, of course, Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on this very dark and gloomy day. It's as if the sky has somehow removed itself and been replaced by some kind of ghastly cloud effect. I can barely see across the river. I can barely see the Tower of London. uh, And it's quite fitting in a way uh, on this particularly dark day for this government's policies. They came out yesterday, uh, the day before yesterday, I should say, and said vaccine passports were not going to happen as if to soften us up for the idea that we are now recommending that you as a parent get your child vaccinated against a disease which is hardly likely to do them any harm whatsoever without knowing what the long-term effects of that vaccination actually will be. Let's talk to Marcus Fish, who's Conservative MP for Yeovil, who had some strong words to say about this yesterday. Marcus, very good morning to you. Morning, Mike. Thank you very much indeed. I'm very proud of you, Marcus, for coming out with such a strong view because not many MPs would have been brave enough to call for the resignation of the chief medical officer. Uh, but I think this is absolutely outrageous, and I'm and I'm sorry to say that not enough people are outraged by it. 
Yeah, look, I really think it's a, an appalling um, decision. It's not based on medical need or clinical need. I was told it was a decision that was going to be based on clinical need, but they've sort of uh, they've come up with the idea because um, JCVI didn't um, think it was warranted that somehow children's mental health is a clinical need for this vaccination. Well, I'm sorry, we need to lead children to a better place of understanding that they are not at risk if they are worried about getting COVID. Um, it just is not something that is going to be dangerous for them. And so I just don't buy that for a second. And I just think it's an outrageous um, way in which um, the medical advice has been manipulated. It's actually the education department that has wanted this. And it's looking in the rearview mirror. It's, it's sort of treating us all like we're still in a pandemic where everyone's going to die if we don't do X, Y and Z. I'm sorry, we need to make um, choices now in respect of what's good for the individual. Individual children are not at risk of, um, of having a problem from this. They are not at risk of missing tons of education because they might have to be off for a few days. I'm sorry, but that is absolutely not a good enough reason. No, and and also the, I was listening. Prejudice's advice. I was listening this morning to Molly from uh, us uh, for them, who said they've already missed 107 days of education last year. None of which was predicated on anything other than um, the administration of, of the schools and the government deciding to shut the schools down. You know, there's no proof that that was necessary and there's certainly no indication that they'll need to do it again because we have yet to see any cases of young children um, infecting older teachers. It just doesn't happen. It hasn't happened. So for them to make out that this is to stop schools being shut is a nonsense, isn't it? That's, that's absolutely right. Schools should not be shut anymore for any reason whatsoever. Right. Uh, in my view, and it's just, you know, um, it's absolutely wrong to be imposing this on children. And if you, and you know, it isn't, they will say, look, it isn't imposed. Uh, people have the choice. Okay, but if, if a child does have a mental health issue with this, that might well be grounds for saying that they um, have a special vulnerability type of need that would en enable them to get access to the vaccine if it's that important to them. I just think it, it really creates two uh, different classes of people potentially within the class. And I think there could, there could be a lot of peer pressure and, and you can imagine situations in which schools would subtly encourage people or the uh, feeling might just develop or, organically amongst the school population that mm. somehow those who weren't vaccinated were somehow letting letting the system down, risking their risk, risk, risking my mental health, all this kind of thing. And so, I'm sorry, that's just not a situation we should be creating in our school. No, absolutely not. And and everybody knows, Marcus, it's one thing uh, for Sage and, and their cronies to kind of try and influence our behaviour as adults, but I think it's pretty sinister to try and, and influence children's behaviour, don't you? Yeah, I do. I really do. I, I think this whole thing has got out of hand now. We need to look rationally at what the situation that we're in and we need to lead out of the pandemic. We're actually in the endemic phase now. There's the same infection rate in the vaccinated population as in the unvaccinated. Everyone, everyone in the country is going to be exposed to this virus over the course of the next 12 months. There is no doubt about that. And, you know, the, this kind of... Um, this kind of attitude just really doesn't help this kind of making everyone think that it is necessarily a big problem at this point. Yes, no. get, get get vaccinated if you are vulnerable. Yes, get vaccinated because the vaccines work and actually the um, side effects of getting it for older people are potentially worse than the uh, side effects of the vaccine. But but in young people, that just the, these young people, that's not the case. Well, exactly and we right. And that's always been the case. If you've got vulnerable um, parents or vulnerable children or vulnerable aunties and uncles, you know, they can always access the vaccine if they so wish. But how about this, right? This is their own advice. And this is the advice given out by Chris Whitty, right? The recommendation that only one dose be given is related to the very rare risk of a condition called myocarditis or inflammation of the heart muscle. It can cause chest pain and heart palpitations, but cases are usually mild and children recover quickly with standard treatment. I mean, here they are admitting that it might actually be risky to give a child, a particularly a young male child, this vaccine, and yet they're recommending it. 
Well, I yeah, I disagree with the recommendation clearly. And JCVI said that that wasn't a risk that they want to take either, mm. not on balance. Um, and I just yeah, I just think it is wrong. And I would hope responsible healthcare professionals throughout the country would in fact be pretty forthright in in talking to people about these particular potential risks mm. and um uh yeah it, 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 when when these children are not at risk of actually dying from the disease uh i just don't think this is warranted at all and no. i'm afraid that the decision will lead it must inevitably lead to some pretty bad outcomes for young children and that is completely beyond the pale for me well it is and also i don't wish for my child's school to be turned into some kind of vaccination center which is presumably what they're going to do they're going to be coming in mob-handed uh, with loads of people with yellow uh, high-vis vests on standing around in the school hall uh, urging people to come in and get a vaccine and as you say you know what children are like a lot of them will probably just go in and get it done because they don't want to look as if they're um, you know bucking the system yeah exactly these are uh you know, I think the the story of this pandemic, in a way, has been, you know, there's been the inevitable wish to take collective action and to pr protect things and get through the pandemic. But that's where we are. We have got through the pandemic stage. We're in the endemic stage. Yes. It's, it is time to lead out of it now with rationality. Uh, and I'm afraid some of the uh, education ministers are pandering to I don't know what they're pandering to, mm. their, their own authoritarian tendencies or or, or the sort of strange um, strange desire with, within some in the education system to sort of um, not move on. But, yes. you know, we need to move the country on. And, and that's why ministers should be leading in it. And they should have they should have accepted the JCVI. Mm. They, should, they should have said that if there are particular children with particular mental health issues or the need to, they can't possibly stay out of school for a few days if they get the virus then they might be able to get access to it mm. but i just can't see that this is a um, sensible decision across no, the board exactly right now for those people who weren't able to listen to chris witty and his announcement yesterday um let's have a listen and a look at this our view was the benefit exceeded the risk to a sufficient degree that we are recommending to our ministers in all four nations that they make a universal offer, and I want to stress the word offer, of vaccination to children uh, 12 to 15, in addition to the ones that have already been given it. So that is our current uh, advice to ministers, and it is now with them uh, to decide in uh, each of the four nations uh, how they wish to respond. So, I mean, I don't know quite what he means by that exactly, but your tweet following that was, sorry to have to say it, but the Chief Medical Officer, Chris Whitty, does not deserve the confidence of the country in deciding to vaccinate teenagers without good clinical reason. He should resign. What was the response to your tweet yesterday, Marcus? <laughs> well, uh, overwhelming support for the tweet on Twitter. Not that that necessarily means anything, of course. Well, I think it does. I mean, it means that, you know, albeit we all say, well, Twitter isn't representative necessarily of the entire country, but it is representative. You can't say it's not. It is to some degree, yeah. And um, I mean, I, I genuinely believe that. I just think the way that this has been handled, the way that uh, medical advice has been prejudiced by clearly a political desire for something else to happen, mm. uh, which is why they're suddenly talking about education when education should be back completely to normal at this point yeah there's no excuse for it not to be it's just i think i just think it's a really really bad state of affairs and and i think um a responsible doctor in his position would have resigned over that yes because Honest. it seems to me that there's a very great deal of confusion going around inside of the uh, the halls of, of government because on the one hand you've got the chief medical officer recommending uh, that the, um, the the vaccine should be offered as a one dose only hit to teenagers. However, um, people who have already received two vaccines have been told you'll need to get a third one. So you know it can't be both things can't be true, surely. Well, it's, it's a genuine question. Where does this all end? Yeah. We heard we heard the other day that Pfizer is applying for approval by the regulator in America for this jab to be available to children between five and 11. Yeah. So what, so what, so if they approve it there, are we then going to become, come under pressure for this to be offered to children in primary school? Yeah. Well, I mean, this I is mean, the, that pattern, is the logical it? extension of it. And it's just, 
where does it all end? Yeah. How many more jabs is going to be enough? Sure, we need to look after the vulnerable. Um, and I am not against the idea of a booster vaccine program. I think it's eminently sensible. Um, yeah, but the trouble with that, Marcus, but, you know, is that, that, is that, that where, where does, but where does that end? I mean, if there's a booster program in the autumn, is there going to need to be another one in the spring, another one in the summer? I mean, you're going to be boosting the, the vaccine well, for the rest of the time. I, I think there is. <clears throat> I think there is over time, most likely going to be the need for annual booster shots of one kind or another or, or biannual or whatever the clinical advice is, which will be combined with the flu jab because a coronavirus will will evolve over time a little bit and it should become more contagious and less dangerous, which is what um, contagious viruses tend to do because it's not in their interest to kill their hosts, frankly. Right. Um, and so you can see that, that that's probably where it ends up. Um, but that I just think it's... Uh, it needs to be fully thought through before. Yeah. It's, it's well, it seems to be who parts of the population that just don't need it on clinical grounds. Exactly. That's and great. it seems that, you know, again, there's a sort of left hand, right hand thing going on where on the one hand, we're expecting Boris Johnson to make a speech this afternoon or very possibly this morning about the new plan for the winter treatment of COVID. It seems when you look around, certainly in London, a lot more people are out and about. A lot more people are going back to work. A lot more people are not wearing masks on the tube and that kind of thing. It's almost as though the government is now behind the progress that people are making to get out of it. Yeah, well, <clears throat> this is right. The government should be behind getting back to normal um, based on the fact that we have vaccines. We have vaccinated people. We know that they work. We know those people are uh, protected against serious outcomes. And that's the whole dividend from this really successful program mm. is getting back to normal, getting our economy going, yeah. getting our economy able to generate the tax revenue that we need to do things like pay for social care or, or health care spending and to recover from the pandemic. There are mm. all sorts of really important factors that depend on that um, recovery and, and we should be getting behind it and leaning into it, not... Um, not sort of doing doing things that make not taking two steps back which is yeah which is what i think they're absolutely doing marcus stay with us for a moment we've just got to stop for a, a minute or two uh, while we take stock of where we are marcus fish is here conservative mp for yeovil he's calling for chris whitty to resign we're going to find out how we can make that happen how we can push that forward uh, coming up next on talk radio this is talk radio across the uk online on dab plus and on the talk radio app the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. We are, of course, in the midst of a very, very big and very important debate. Uh, Marcus Fish is on our side. He doesn't want uh, for Chris Whitty to have uh, recommended that children between the ages of 12 and 15 should be vaccinated against COVID because he doesn't believe, as I don't, that, that the risk to them of getting COVID uh, and being seriously ill uh, is worth a fag end, quite frankly. But let me ask you this, Marcus. Um, what do you make of the idea that some doctors are putting around, and I find this also incredibly irresponsible, that children will be able to make the decision for themselves, regardless of what their parents want? Well, there's a lot of complicated um, common law, case law mm. around that, actually. And the reality is that um, that, to some extent, does exist as a uh, norm of our legal system at the moment and yeah. it would take primary legislation to actually alter that fact but the point is i think that um in that situation they become particularly vulnerable to the sorts of um peer pressure and um pressure of one kind or another that is can be put on them mm. it also depends very much on what information is made available to them by health professionals parents and others and to be honest, for that um, norm to be something that is uh, properly carried out, they have to, uh, the health professional has to be convinced that the child in question is fully aware and able to process and understand and repeat back to them the full information about these things. Now, um, 
if it's just a leaflet that kind of says, oh, well, it's a good idea to get vaccinated because it helps protect everybody. Yeah. Well, that's just not good enough at all. No. So I, 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 you know, I wait to see what is in fact put down in terms of the detailed statistical risk of myocarditis and yes. or other potential side effects, etc. And but I, you know, I'd be amazed, frankly, if that level of detail were presented to or understood by children in question oh, of course um, and that's that the problem what Marcus. professionals should be doing should well, be well doing. i've been asking for this information for a while now because since the conversation began about whether or not children should be vaccinated and even when they were talking about 16 and 17 year olds because the uh, the jcvi are not that keen on 16 and 17 year olds getting it either by the way and i've said repeatedly to any doctor that i can find you know what are the actual risks involved of teenagers taking this vaccine particularly those who may have had issues with health in the past we've got no information on uh, you know who might be more at risk uh, of, of, of myocarditis as you say we've had no information about whether somebody who's epileptic might have an issue with it we've had no information about somebody who's autistic who might have an issue with it you know we just don't know and so that, there is no way that a, even a parent can make informed consent of a minor child well, I mean, you, you certainly highlight some of the issues of the degree of information that, that should be there uh, and available for people. It is worth pointing out, out that the MHRA has uh, declared the vaccine safe in a whole range of applications. And I would trust that to the degree that they have uh, investigated that. But yeah, they, it is it does come down to that balance of risks at the end of the day. And that's why you have professionals like the JCVI uh, looking at this um, and, you know, making recommendations on that balanced clinical view. Mm. And um, the problem I have with it is that education and, and mental health allegedly re related to uh, people's fear of getting COVID at school or um, passing on it on at school is a very nebulous thing, which frankly isn't a good enough clinical indication, in my view, to uh, to work, to sort of tip the balance the way that um, the CMO says it has been. No, exactly right. I mean, I've got a tweet here from from Mick who says, if I, if I have a child at school who falls in the playground, a teacher cannot put their arm around them, give them paracetamol, or clean up a wound. They can now, however, give them a vaccine against my wishes and without my permission. It's all wrong. And that's correct, isn't it? Because, I mean, you know how standoffish teachers have become uh, about being anywhere near a child if a child has got something wrong with them. You immediately get a phone call and you have to go and take them home. So the idea that they can suddenly bring them into a, a, a school hall and vaccinate them, perhaps against your will, is extraordinary, isn't it? Well, it's um, it certainly is a difficult time for teachers. And I know that they, you know, have a tough job trying to navigate these issues of uh, parental in loco parentis type situations mm. it is a minefield for them so i have a lot of sympathy and um i would say that that they will find it quite hard to navigate this too in this circumstance right. now and, i don't know how old your children are marcus but will they be affected by this seven. six and seven so so no not at this stage unless right. it there's this creeping uh creeping um, down the age range, which is not impossible to see how it might happen. And if that um, was to be the case, would you let your children be vaccinated? Uh, no, not not without clear evidence that they were at a risk mm. that um, meant that the vaccine would be of net benefit to them. Yes. No, I wouldn't. No. Okay. And finally, um, your call for Chris Whitty to resign. Where, where can we take that? Because I think we should push it further and, and faster and further up the up the chain of command, as, as it were. I mean, is there, has anyone from government been in contact with you to wrap your knuckles? No, no, they haven't. Um, you know, I would... <clears throat> I would say yes, write, write to your MP, write to uh, ministers, write to the chief medical officer himself and, and tell, tell him what you think. Yeah. That would be my advice. Yeah. I mean, I think he's been, to be fair to him, put in a really difficult position <clears throat> because I think it's clear that there's been a political um, uh, determination to countermand the, the advice of the JCVI and the ruse that they landed on was trying to get the chief medical officers to assess something else mm. and dress it up as a clinical risk when it's not a clinical risk at all. No, of, no they've, they, they've invented yeah. the clinical risk in order to cover right. what they think is the rest of society, which needs apparently protection, despite the fact that they've all been vaccinated. 
yeah and so yeah i think it i think it's i think i think to be frank the cmo has been put under intolerable political pressure through mm. that and i have great sympathy for him actually in that situation but uh but this is not funny yeah. anymore. I don't you know, see, we used to, I mean, I don't, it isn't funny. And, and yeah, I, I do stand by the idea that uh, that would be circumstances if I were put under intolerable political pressure to do something that I thought in my heart of hearts wasn't the right thing to do, then I would resign for yes. sure. Yes, well, you're obviously a very honourable man, Marcus. Thank you very much indeed for joining us and talking to us. Marcus Fish, Conservative MP for Yeovil, calling for Chris Whitty to resign. He's absolutely right, isn't he? Because Chris Whitty has acted outside uh, of his own uh, arena, shall we say. Uh, Ultravires, I think is the word they use in law. This is a guy uh, who supposedly is looking after the health of the nation, supposedly making recommendations for the people of this country to be healthy. But instead of doing that, he's advocating a jab, a vaccine, for young people, for children to have, regardless of what their parents want, regardless of how dangerous it might be in the long run, which they know nothing about, regardless of the fact that they don't need it. This, I tell you, is the last straw for me. This is ridiculous. Chris Whitty should not only resign, he should resign and take the rest of his bozo advisors with him. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. And so... Here we are. The sun is not shining. The sky is gloomy. You can barely see across the river. But Laura Dodsworth is here to brighten up our day. Very good morning to you. Hello. Hi. I'm feeling quite energetic oh, this morning. You are. Because, you know, I'm sick of this. I'm not having mm. it. I am not having Chris Whitty creating schools into making them into like vaccination halls, making children queue up, making children suffer as a result of his wish to go against the medical advice, which is that they don't need to be vaccinated. Yeah, I mean, that was that was a fiery intro. I don't think I can match you for fire, but I am burning with a quiet, inner, steely passion on yes. this too. I think it's caused a huge split. You know, there's going to be a huge ideological, ideological split between mm. parents who want this and those who don't. But it's caused so much concern. So we know vaccines are going to be rolled out for 12 to 15 year olds in schools. Let's take a step back. Yeah. Let's just take a step back. There was um, a landmark study from the UK, led by researchers at UCL and the universities of Bristol, York and Liverpool in July. And it found that children have a 1 in 50,000 risk of being hospitalised from COVID yeah. and a 2 in a million chance of dying. Right. Only 25 under 20-year-olds have died in this country. And I think they all had underlying health problems. Yeah. I would imagine there's a greater chance of them being run over on the way to school than that. There are so many more risks facing our precious children than COVID. And Russell Viner, who's a professor of child and adolescent health, and he's on SAGE, he said there's very few children who've needed to shield, according to this data. So we know the risk to young people and children from COVID is vanishingly small. Mm. So what about the risk from the vaccine? Yes. Well, 
there's there's been a lot of um, delay uh, and vacillation and uncertainty about rolling vaccines out for children because the margin of benefit was considered too small to justify vaccinating them. There was um, a very strong article in the Telegraph that said that the risk of myocarditis, that's an inflammation of the heart, which can be mild or it can be dangerous, is six times greater Mm. for teenage boys than the risk of hospitalisation. Now, I'm not just a a journalist and and the author of A State of Fear, I'm also a mother, a mother of teenage boys. Mm. And I'm not happy at all that there's a plan for them to be exposed in school to a vaccine which could expose them to um, risk of heart inflammation. I find that I find that really disturbing. And worse than that, of course, is the uh, situation which they've created in which they say your boys, if you don't, don't want them to be vaccinated, could choose to be vaccinated against your wishes anyway. Well, there's so there's so much about this which is really disturbing and chips away at the relationship between the parent and the child and the family unit and also sensible medical advice. So I'm I'm very concerned that the government's recommended this. Now, there was an article in the Brussels Times. If you want to look up the article, the headline is Doctors Advise Against Intensive Sport After COVID Vaccination mm. because three boys aged 15 to 17 in a cycling club all developed myocarditis after the vaccine. Now, at the time of writing the article, it wasn't proved that it was the cause, but Mm. it was three of them. And it was a strong enough concern that doctors advised against intensive physical activity after the vaccine. Now, for me, this is a complete inversion of logic that we would say to fit, athletic teenage boys Mm. who are at no risk of COVID have this vaccine that could cause myocarditis and then don't exercise afterwards. This is bonkers. And we can only give you one of them because if we gave you two, that might be dangerous. And you're kind of going, so why are you giving one instead of none? Yeah. You know, what is the point? Well, I'd have thought the most obvious thing to do is advise not being vaccinated in this age group. And then unless there are specific underlying health conditions Mm. that sway the benefits. Which have always been the case, you know, because they said this some weeks ago that they would make the vaccine available to anyone over the age of 12 who Mm. was vulnerable. I've got no problem with that. And if you've got a child who is vulnerable and you can be told by a doctor, somebody with medical expertise, Mm. that it's safer for your child to have the vaccine, then fine. Mm. But they're not even saying that now. They're no. just saying have it because we think you should. That's it. Yeah. So I think that, you know, without any discredit to my sons who are both intelligent and they're kind and they think of others. And I think, you know, they're going to grow up to be good members of the community. They they shouldn't be deciding for themselves at this age whether no. to have a vaccine. I mean, they're not allowed to buy energy drinks right. yet. They're not allowed to buy energy drinks. And I know from experience over the years that if the school has wanted to give them paracetamol because they have a headache at school, they have to call me to ask me. So the idea that they could have a vaccine for which, to be honest, there's still no long-term safety data. none at all. That absolutely can cause adverse effects without my permission is... It's just wrong. I don't know what else to say about it. Well, it's not only wrong, wrong. It is completely out of step with everything else that we do. And that's what also concerns me, is that they've made literally an an exception for this. Mm. And you wonder why, don't you? Well, we've been given two reasons. So let's tackle those one by one. So one is that it will be um, beneficial to the mental health of teenagers. And the second, that it will um, reduce disruption in schools. Okay, mental health. I think it's really disingenuous that um, mental that the pandemic is being blamed for mental health problems in teenagers. Now, it, the pandemic itself will have impacted mental health because mm. young people might be concerned about getting ill. They could have lost family members who've who've died or been ill. But that's also, also not in itself a reason to give them a medical intervention. Right. And vaccine is not an emotional sticking plaster. But um, you know, mental health ha- is a big problem. Half of 16 to 25 year olds have said that their mental health has worsened mm. during this period. And according to the Centre for Mental Health, 1.5 million children are going to need support for post-traumatic stress and depression following the lockdowns mm. and the epidemic. But why is this really? Well, they've been exposed to constant fear mongering. Young people were told by our government, by our last Minister for Health, don't kill granny. Yeah. I mean, that's quite bad for a young person's mental health to, talk, to be told they could be responsible right. for somebody in their family dying. So 
What's really been disrupting their mental health, I would say, is partly the government policy. The policy to instill fear into the population, to democratise the risk, so that even teenagers felt they were as at risk and as much of a risk mm. as older people. And then government policy, which locked down schools, stopped sport, stopped young people mixing with their wider family and mm. their friends. And started to also to convince them that if they didn't get vaccinated, and this is, is for the older ones, because I've got a 17-year-old and a 14-year-old, um, he was under the impression that if he didn't get a vaccination, he wouldn't be able to do anything because he thought vaccine passports were coming in. This week we find out that's not happening. So yeah. as I said to him at the weekend, I said, I told you, I said, this was all, always about just trying to get you vaccinated. And he hasn't been because I won't let him. And he's now quite happy with that. But the point is, is that the cajoling that went on before was to get them all vaccinated because they were worried they might not be able to go to a nightclub or go to a bar or go to a, 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 a theatre or go to a festival. You know, he's bought a ticket for the Reading Festival next year, you know, um, and he doesn't believe they are, they're going to ask him for a vaccine passport, but he thought they would. Yeah, it's a really important point because this behavioural science approach is more subtle and it's been mm. going on in the background. So young people have been seeing targeted ads on TikTok um, and probably other social media platforms. Probably. I'm sorry, I'm not au fait enough with what the kids are doing, but they're definitely on TikTok. And they are ads that are basically saying, to do the things you love, you need to be vaccinated. Mm. And it's just disingenuous well, and fiddling with their brains well, to yeah. do this it's to also, them. It's also this nonsense, I nearly said a bad word there, um, that, you know, this is the panacea, this is the thing that cures everything, this is the thing that makes life return to normal. Well, clearly it doesn't, because they're now telling us, on the other hand, actually, if you have had two vaccines, you're going to need a third one, and then maybe a fourth, and maybe a fifth, maybe a sixth, who knows? Well, absolutely. I mean, back as of March 21, one third of teenagers had had the alpha variant, okay? Mm. Um, that's I've forgotten that's, about which one that was. I mean, you know, so long ago. It's the first one, Alpha, a eh, you know, beginning one, because they're all renamed aren't yes. they, after the Greek letters. So that's from surveillance mm. that is funded by the Department for Health and Social Care. Yeah. Now that's March. Okay. Since then, we've had the Delta variant, which yeah. is more transmissible. They've been back at schools. Yeah. If one third of secondary school pupils had 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 COVID, they've yeah. been infected with it by then. How many have had it now? So why are we vaccinating them I anyway? thought I saw a stat, and you may correct me if I'm wrong here, that said something like 5 million children in this country have had COVID, right? And if you think about the fact there's probably, I don't know how many children at school, 10 million, million maybe, um, half of them basically have had it. So as some people have suggested this morning, how about you, you even see if they've got antibodies? If you've got antibodies, then why vaccinate them anyway? Well, this we are like we are like brain twins. Yeah. This was going to be my exact next point. Mm. If this is really about the science, and of course, if it was, we'd have been following the JCV recommendation. But if it was about following the science, then you would say, okay, so these secondary school pupils who have had COVID infections, mm. and you won't know because a lot of them won't have felt ill. Okay, this right. is from from surveillance from right. from a study. Then why don't you test them for antibodies and T-cells? If they don't have antibodies or T-cells, which are indicative of immunity to mm. COVID, then you could offer them vaccination with full informed consent yes. about the risks and the benefits. So, Yeah, but which they can't do because they don't know what the full risks and benefits are. Yeah, we need to come on to that. There's, that's, that's, that's another, another point. Thing. But but the thing is, if if um, if a child has already had COVID, then they already have long-lasting protection. And so exposing them to the risk of adverse effects from the vaccine is even more egregious mm. and it's completely unnecessary yeah and also some people that i know who have had covid and then had the vaccine basically had another dose of covid and felt terrible once they had the vaccine because it kind of restarted whatever was in their system well i don't know what's causing that but there are there are adverse effects that can be minor that mm. come with the vaccine too so we've been talking about myocarditis that's the headline one I mean, it would do if this was a dark fairy tale, uh, the idea of a vaccine affecting young men's hearts. You know, you couldn't make mm. it up. Of course, we all tune into that as parents. We don't want our, our precious children's right. hearts to be affected. But there are other adverse effects. So Pfizer's own trial data, which was with 1,131 children, mm. showed a life-threatening event for 0.1%. 
that may not sound like a much, you may be thinking it's not many, but that was one child yeah. in the study had a life-threatening event. Right. Um, and there were severe adverse events in 0.6% of the study and adverse effects in 3%. I think there were headaches in 65%. Mm. So, yeah, they some of them might feel a little bit rotten, but you're exposing them to a, a small but, but myriad risk of adverse events. So if you're events. vaccinating a million children, 650,000 of them are going to feel pretty awful. Well, the thing about this trial, 1,131, is it's underpowered. Yeah. You can't extrapolate this up to millions people. and say what's going to happen. No. It's statistically underpowered. Mm. This is the trial we're going on, though. There's real-world the data, too. Well, now, it's the only course. one they've got. Well, look at this, right? This is what I was going to suggest, and I read this out earlier. This is their own, in their own words, and this is not only from the JCVI, but also from Chris Whitty's office, right? The recommendation that only one dose is given is related to the very rare risk of a condition called myocarditis or inflammation of the heart muscle. It can cause chest pain and heart palpitations, but cases are usually mild and children recover quickly with standard treatment. That doesn't that does not in any way, for me, justify giving it to people. No. And this is the problem with the child centred approach that he has advocated and that you'll see on the NHS website. It doesn't give numbers. It doesn't state what the risk of um of the adverse effects are or the benefits I don't actually see how a, a teenager who to be fair will be studying GCSE maths and should have some proficiency I don't see how they can actually make a decision on informed consent without the numbers mm. although like I said considering they're not allowed to buy energy drinks and having had you know having two teenage boys well, I, don't, they can't do. I don't think they can really make informed consent anyway um, but it's written in quite it's written in quite a juvenile accessible language and I don't really think it gives them the information they need. It also really underplays myocarditis. It it can be serious. It could lead in the future to having a heart transplant. How is a twelve year old supposed to make that decision? Yeah. And I think some twelve year olds and fifteen year olds don't want to make that decision. You said you've made the decision for your son. Mm. How does he feel about you making the decision for him? Well, he feels fine about it because I didn't just make the decision. I didn't just say that's not happening. I explained to him why. I explained to him the logic behind what I thought was the case that I was making. And I said that you really don't know what this effect of, of what the effect of what you want to do is going to be but what i can tell you is that the, the convincing the government is trying to make you believe mm. isn't true and so it's turned out you know so and he trusts me you know we have a good relationship it's i mean you know we don't just parent every now and again when we feel like it you're doing it all the time exactly. you know I'm, I'm sometimes i'm having a go at him sometimes i'm cuddling him sometimes we're talking about really important things sometimes he's recommending a film for me to watch sometimes i'm recommending one for him you know, it's an ongoing process. And the idea that the government thinks they can get in the middle of that, I'm afraid, uh, is rather annoying. Yeah, I don't agree with that. And I think if you have a, you know, you have that good parenting relationship, mm. your your child should trust you. Yeah. And they should be leaning on you, their parent, yeah. for advice about what's best for them. So undermining that relationship is not good. Um, and I also trust him. You know, he's 17. He started to go out with his friends. You know, quite often at weekends, I don't see him in the evenings because he's off. Mm. on the train to go and meet his mates and I trust him not to do anything stupid I trust him to come home when he says he's going to come home and I trust him to let me know where he is mm. and that's what I ask of him and that's a parental conversation and I actually think and you might say some people might say this is prejudicial Chris Whitty doesn't have any kids he doesn't even know what it's like to have children so what difference does it make to him none and what right does he have to start advising us on our relationship with our children he does not I think a lot of families will be feeling way beside the government if they try to interfere in the in this process yeah. between parents and children. Because it's very sacred, actually. I, I consider it to be sacred. Well, I, I don't disagree. I mean, it's fundamental. Yeah. It's, it's everything. Because you don't, you don't love anybody and more I, than frankly, your kids. And there will be people who will disagree with me saying this, but I can't imagine any parent recommending that their child gets it. Why would you? I think there will be. Oh, I'm sure there will be. There will be. But I can't be imagine split. what sort of person would do that knowing what we don't know because there has been an onslaught of fear-mongering about They've been the virus there've been lots of ads and media stories and social media promoting the safety of the vaccine which you know all adds into the mix of people's yeah. decision making as well all... as articles about risk yes but these are also people who i would imagine and i know many of them will be what you might consider to be successful middle class people who would never look at an advert on television and go, oh, you must go and buy one of those, because they think they're better than that. Mm. But they'll listen to this nonsense and believe it. 
It's really strange, actually, because I don't want us to get into any tr into trouble with any pharmaceutical companies, but I think it's fairly uncontroversial to say that Pfizer has a very long sin sheet. Mm. Um, you can look up some websites that list their misdemeanors yeah. over the years. I think there's one called um, Violation Troubleshooting or something. You know, you, you can find lists of fines that Pfizer have had to pay for um, breaching safety or uh, making false claims. Mm. There are plenty of precedents to show that pharmaceutical companies don't always put out the safest pro products. Right. So it's it's okay to have concerns and want to see long-term safety data mm. and to be convinced of the of the benefit versus the risk. Um, there was something else I really want to talk about, which is not just whether 12 to 15 year olds should be vaccinated, but that it's happening in schools. So. My real concern about the vaccines being rolled out in schools is that it's going to influence peer pressure. Yeah. Now, as a mother of teenage boys, I know that schools are normally very good on teaching not to give in to peer pressure. And a lot of that is about drugs, yeah. which are a real problem. Mm. Yeah, it's a problem in my area. Sure. I think we can all relate to that. I think for that. everyone. Yeah. yeah. So the... This could lead to a scenario where, what, last term, maybe they had an assembly about not giving in to peer pressure and taking drugs, but this term they're going to have an assembly which will potentially leverage peer pressure to encourage them to be vaccinated. Mm. And I'm sure that individual head teachers and schools are going to be doing the best job they can. But I suspect that schools have been chosen for this reason, not just because it's logistically simple, but because it will lead to peer pressure. Back in May, Jeff Barton, who's the General Secretary of the Association of School and College Leaders, that's the largest union for mm. um, secondary school heads, said he would support the vaccine rollout in schools. And just listen to this quote from him. He said that vaccinating children at school could result in higher take-up because pupils would not want to feel socially isolated by refusing to have the jab and the peer pressure of seeing that your friends are lining up to do it is likely to make the overall numbers taking up the vaccine higher. Mm -hmm. So this is a complete inversion of the normal logic. We teach teenagers not to give in to peer pressure and now we have a union for school heads saying we'll use peer pressure to make them get yeah. vaccinated. That and just makes me feel a little bit concerned about what's going to be going on in schools and how resilient teenagers are going to be to that pressure. Because what happened when the mask mandate came in was that almost all children wore a mask. Yeah. And those who didn't were strong-minded enough to not do it uh, for their own reasons, whatever it was. Um, but many of them felt a little bit uneasy because they were maybe one out of the class who wasn't wearing one. And a lot of kids yeah. said, well, I'm just going to wear it because I don't want to be the odd one out. Mm. And it'll be the same with the vaccine. I think it really will. Yeah. I, I think, and, I, and you know, cynical me thinks that's part of the design of where the vaccines are being rolled out. But, you know, we mustn't let the Overton window on this, on, this, uh, on this move in the conversation. The first thing is, should 12 to 15 year olds be being vaccinated? Should that be our chief medical officer's advice? The second is, no, is if it is acceptable for any of them, whether they've got underlying morbidities or all of them, should it be in school? Because will that affect peer pressure, which therefore affects informed consent? Mm. How are the people who are going to be giving them the information, delivering the vaccine, going to ensure that each teenager is truly giving informed consent? Yeah. I tell you, as the mother of teenage boys, that's impossible. Well, also... Um where is the end? I mean, you know, is the next phase going to be, and I've heard Nicola Sturgeon use that, that very phrase, oh, the mm. next phase of our COVID vaccination rollout. Where does that go down to? Nine? Seven? You know, are they going to start vaccinating kindergarten children under the age of five because otherwise you can't go to the kindergarten? I mean, it's madness, isn't it? Well, the... They're uh, trialling the vaccine on younger age groups, certainly in the US. So I think that regarding that as the next phase might be plausible. And that's a worry. Where does it end? I don't know. Houseplants? Mm. Where's it going to go? Well, I mean, I kid you not, Sage actually talked about vaccinating pets at one point. You know, so your pet dog might be carrying COVID, so you better either vaccinate it or kill it. Well, that's very lucrative for the pharmaceutical companies, I'm sure, to roll out the mm. vaccinations to pets. I mean, on this, I, I've talked about a worrying subversion of logic. I think it's more than that. There's something about this which really rankles with me. Mm. The government now talking about wanting to look after the mental health of my teenagers is... Laughable. It's like, it's like an emotional wound, to be honest. Yeah. After months of being locked up in houses, right. 
not seeing family, not seeing friends, not going to school and not playing sports. Now they're worried. Is a joke. Yeah. And it didn't have to be this way. As I've said to you before, there is still no evidence that lockdowns work. It wasn't this way in Sweden. There are other places who didn't. In the UK, we had the second longest school closures Mm. in Europe. Yeah. It didn't have to be this way. It's a bit late now to be talking about our teenagers' mental health. Yeah, it really is. We're out of time, sadly, because I could talk to you all day about this. But Laura Dodsworth, thank you so much for coming in. Very heartfelt um, views and very, very wise views for me as well, because I think we both are on the same page on this. And I can't believe anybody isn't on our page. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Let's talk to Dr. Charles Levinson, a doctor and chief executive of Dr. Call, because even as we speak, there's a briefing going on uh, right now with some health officials telling us all about why we need booster jabs. Even though children only need one, we apparently need three. Not quite sure how that's going to work. Not really sure what is going on with the government's policies. Let's find out from Charles uh, what he makes of it all. Charles, very good morning. Morning, Mike. It does seem a bit of a sort of mixed picture, doesn't it? You know, because on the one hand, we're told people who got the vaccine earlier on this year will need a booster because it's basically worn off. Um, but children can't get more than one because it might be dangerous. Now, it is it is all a bit of a muddle, isn't it? I think the it, the ch- children clearly don't benefit from vaccines to, in the way that adults do. No. And but they get the side effects. So it is it is quite right that vaccinations in children are kept to an absolute minimum. Yes, I think that's right. But how about the absolute minimum being zero as opposed to one? I think there is a good case. You're absolutely right. There's a good case for not vaccinating children. The um, JCVI, the Joint Committee on Vaccination and Immunisation, on balance decided that children should not be vaccinated. So I think there was a good case for uh, for, for not vaccinating children. Yes, I think that's right. Um, and what is the case for the booster? Because the case at the moment is being made by Jonathan Van Tam and others, and I'm not quite sure what that case is because it's literally going on as we speak. Um, but presumably, if the vaccine wears off as such, then it will continue to wear off. And so the booster will have to be done every sort of three or four months, won't it? Well, yeah, I think we are anticipating boosters being required on an ongoing basis. Uh, this, you know, we will become more experienced each year that goes past. Uh, this winter, we need to be absolutely certain that we keep everything open, everything still working, and uh, so that is the is the rationale for trying to boost the po- the adult population before the, this winter. Yes, but um, most of the government's sort of um, propaganda machine is all about vaccinating as many people as possible, isn't it? Wouldn't it be wiser for them to try and? get more people vaccinated if that's what their plan is than it would be to give extra vaccines to people who've already been vaccinated it would it would i i mean there are a certain number of people who are going to be very difficult to to vaccinate who won't want to be vaccinated but yeah. absolutely it is um it is the lesser of two evils vaccination the point is that anything to to uh, um get things moving and get things keep well keep things working normally is is worth Uh, is worth doing yes but the problem i suppose for an awful lot of people um is that this is a sort of zealous uh, attitude about one particular problem i mean laura dodsworth was just here she was telling me that her mother needs some treatment she can't even get a, a doctor to come on the phone to make an appointment for her mother to be seen and that's the issue for an awful lot of people who are now saying you know it's all very well telling us all that we must be vaccinated or we must go and get another booster jab or we must do this we must do that but there's an awful lot of people who still can't see a gp an awful lot of people who are waiting in line for operations there's going to be they think something approaching 10 million possibly by november waiting for an operation and that's just simply not good enough is it it is terrible and uh so Ex- uh, something I've been banging on about is excess deaths in the home, non-COVID excess deaths in the home, which yes. is uh, which is a huge number. So that's the number above above seasonal norm for this time of year, and um, and it's every month there are many many hundreds, and it is um, because people have not had uh, have had the healthcare they needed when they or been able to access it when they needed it, and so it is. Um, I mean, this is this is a knock-on effect of partly of lockdowns and partly of 
uh, government scare campaigns, mm. which have made uh, patients frightened to go and get help. Yes, because I saw um, a statement yesterday from, I think it was um, either Nottingham or Northampton uh, NHS, somewhere uh, in that sort of area, talking about already cancelling operations as a result of more people being admitted to hospital for COVID. So the cycle has already begun uh, for, you know, kind of a run up to the winter where we also know, do we not, Charles, that the NHS will be bleating on about how they haven't got enough capacity and haven't got enough beds, haven't got enough nurses, the same old stuff that they come out with every single year. Yes, so we are, I mean, the, the, it, the NHS has seasonal demand and it is at its peak in the winter because of uh, seasonal viral illnesses. So, so uh, um, COVID, along with most viruses, um, spreads much more easily in cold weather. So it yeah. is... Um, quite, it is clearly a concern that it could, uh, um, we could have a, another wave over the winter. So, but with the government has had, and the NHS has had a very long time to prepare for this winter. So I think they absolutely need, just need to be ready to, to deal with an increased demand if it arises. Yes, but they'll say that they won't be ready because they're never ready. And every single year we get a crisis because we're told that the NHS is going to be overwhelmed. And thus far, even in January, it wasn't. No, you're right. And um, of course, it wasn't in January, partly because uh, so much routine work was postponed. And we can't go on postponing routine work because no. that's, that's why we have this terrible backlog. So, so um, but we, we just need to gear up to, to be ready for it if necessary. Yes. I mean, I keep hearing anecdotal stories as well about A&E being very busy at the moment where you have to go because the doctor can't see you in a GP surgery. A lot of people find themselves in A&E departments with um, barely enough people to cover all of the people turning up. Well, the yes, the, the, it is a huge problem that there is poor access to GP services at the moment. Mm. And whenever there's poor access to GP services, A&E um, bears the brunt of that. The um, and it people GPs need to be seeing people face to face. We don't have enough GPs, but those who we do have need to be seeing people face to face. Yes. And as far as we know, Boris Johnson is going to be addressing the nation, I think, sometime in the next hour or two uh, to tell us what his kind of covid plan is for the winter. But the difficulty is, I'm assuming, because of the way that, you know, government policy seems to be made on the hoof all the time. He can't really predict what's going to happen, can he? Because, say, for example, we suddenly get an uptick in the number of people being infected or the number of people going to hospital, or the number of people dying, then the policy is going to change. I, yeah, I mean, I think he has kept some, uh, uh, um, the, retained the right to make some changes, hasn't he? But the um, most, but I think we're all, all, all of us, in, in certainly at Doctor Call, in, in uh, my organisation, are very keen to see everything opened up as much as possible because and kept open because of we are seeing so much adverse consequence of lockdown and the knock on effects and patients who've not received got uh, treatment when they needed it. And I think that the effects of that, the damage caused by it, in many cases has eclipsed the damage caused by by the by uh, the virus COVID itself. So I think um, I think we greatly uh, overall approve you know and uh, applaud the government's plans which are largely to try and keep everything open uh, if at all possible yes i think we should be making sure that the government has the right advice on this though shouldn't we because the problem the problem is if they get keep getting the same advice from the same advisors who recommended the last lockdown um, who didn't seem to take into account you know what the knock-on effects of that lockdown would be they'll recommend another one and so I think people like yourself, Charles, and, 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 and me and others who are less inclined to lockdown because we don't think it's actually working for anyone um, should be the people that they refer to. Well, I think they definitely need to take broader advice because the um, a, a, a um, scientist, an epidemiologist who's, uh, um, who studies the does modelling and studies the, the numbers is um, only going to look at COVID. And of course, we now know, many of us predicted, but we, it, we, we now have the evidence that the, um, the uh, um, knock-on effects of the, of the pandemic through lockdowns have been, have been so damaging. Mm. So we absolutely, um, they, they need to 
take a broader broader view of it. Yeah, absolutely right. Charles Levinson, thank you very much indeed, Doctor and Chief Executive of Doctor Call. We're still waiting to hear from the uh, uh, the various medical people who are currently giving a briefing on the booster jabs. But this is the thing. It's still all very confusing for an awful lot of people because on the one hand, you're being told children now must be jabbed, but not because it's necessary for them to be jabbed for their own safety, because it's necessary for the rest of the country's safety. And it's better for their mental health and it will keep the schools open, which is all... Um, a crock as far as I'm concerned we're then told on the other hand that booster jabs are now required because people who were jabbed twice some months ago are no longer um, as safe as they were well why nobody's really explained it and if you get a third jab a third dose a booster why is that necessary and how will that protect you more and how long will it protect you for and will there be a fourth jab or a fifth one or a sixth one or a seventh you know, where does it end? How low do you go? Will they be vaccinating five-year-olds? I'm not happy about this, as you can probably tell. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.